There we go. Welcome back to a new season of Stacking Denny's 2024 NASCAR Cup Series season. is about to get started with the Daytona 500 on Sunday. We just finished up Daytona 500 qualifying here. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Joey Logano wins the poll for this year's Daytona. Big, great American race. Michael McDowell starting alongside, breaking that Hendrick Motorsports and Chevy streak of top qualifiers in the big race. We have a dual race to go uh, on Thursday night to fully set the rest of the starting lineup and to figure out the last two open drivers that are locked in, in addition to Anthony Alfredo and David Reagan. And then we get Daytona, the one of your favorite races of the year, one of everyone's favorite races of the year, but you especially, Nick, with the DFS. We got the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings. I know you're going to be attempting to to take that down this year once again, and, and, and we'll get to that. But overall, we have quite a few things to talk about before we, we get into this new season of NASCAR, including uh, Toyota and Ford having new noses on the car. And I've already gotten a few questions, you know, with qualifying tonight at Daytona, is there any concern with Toyota not having any speed? Because I don't think they had a single car in the top 20. If they did, it was in like 19th or something. Um, have you... Are we taking anything from Toyota's lack of speed in qualifying for Daytona? I think everybody, uh, most people should know the answer to this, but yeah, uh, no, we're, we're not. Um, I, I do think, you know, certainly Toyota was slower than expected in qualifying, uh, with Eric Jones, the fastest at 20 seconds. I know you were, uh, trying to remember what number it was. It was Eric Jones of all the Toyotas. It was the legacy motor club Toyota of Eric Jones, who was fastest, mm-hmm. um, but he was only 22nd. But I'm not worried about it, right? He's still faster than a bunch of cars, uh, just in pure qual trim and, and setup and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, we're going to be in the great equalizer, the draft. And mm-hmm. a lot of the talk of the town is, and you alluded to it, the new bodies on the Ford and the Toyota, the really flat front nose of the Toyota may, might make them really good pushers. So. Uh, they could be super strong in the draft. Um, I do think both Toyota and Ford could be a little racy in the duels just to kind of test out what the new body's doing in the draft. You yep. know what I mean? Obviously, they've done sim simulation, simulator testing, uh, wind tunnel testing, or whatever you know they can do. But you don't know until you actually put product on the track. And uh, so I think the Toyotas and the Fords could try to get a little racy at times. Uh, obviously, other than the front row starters of, of Logano and McDowell, there's no need for them to, to race hard other than risk starting in the back, and that is not something you want to do. Uh, but I could see them trying to, uh, outside of those two, uh, Toyotas and Fords, trying to at least see what they have. You know, maybe once they figured out what they have, because it is a 60-lap duel for each of the two duels. So maybe if they've kind of figured it out for 20, 30 laps, they can settle in. And then try to, you know, last couple laps shootout for uh, starting position, see if you can win yourself a duel, that kind of thing. But uh, I, I think it's potential that, you know, Toyota uh, maybe some – obviously they're starting further back in the duels, but I, I think they could still be really good plays in the duels even if they are kind of chalky just because I think they may try to race and see what they have. But also similar for the Fords. Like Chevy already knows what they have. I mean, obviously there's been a year of progress on the current body that Chevy has just in terms of – refining setups and all that stuff but uh you know by and large chevy kind of knows what they have at these super speedways but but toyota and ford may need to uh kind of like i said just race a little bit and see what they got 
Yeah. Speaking of, you know, the, the Ford Toyota breakdown, there's a few aspects here that I, that I want to talk about. One is, uh, and we can get to this a little bit later, but Toyota now has more than six cars in the field. You know, previous years, they had six cars, basically six or seven cars racing for Daytona. Now they have eight, possibly nine if Jimmy Johnson gets in uh, during his duel tomorrow night on Thursday. <clears throat> now, as far as the breakdown of each duel, when you look at how many Fords are in this first duel, we only have four Fords in the first duel. You look at the second duel, and there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven, twelve. There's twelve. Twelve Fords <laughs> in that second duel compared to four in the first. Yeah. Now these duels can get weird, you know, as far as DFS strategy, because everyone's kind of could possibly have a different strategy. You know, some people don't care. They just want to finish the, the race in one piece. Some people want to see what they got. Some people like Joey Logano, like I don't know what to expect from Joey Logano because he's locked in. He has the pull for Daytona. He typically is one of the hardest charging drivers in these dual races. So will he continue to do that and just go out there and, and flex his muscles and try to win it? I don't know. I could see him being one of those that actually does it. McDowell, I feel like he's going to drop off uh, and, and you know, he's going to go start second on Sunday and, and worry about that race. He's not going to care about his duel. But um, from a DFS perspective, you know, it, in addition to the smaller field, you know, we have we have 21 drivers in duel one. We have 21 drivers in duel two compared to a typical 40 driver field, you know, for Sunday for Daytona. Mm-hmm. What are some what are some tips that you would give? Uh, in terms of you know teammates maybe or or um, manufacturer partners, and then just the overall smaller field plus the uncertainty of strategy, what kind of DFS tips are we looking at to to try to win uh, some money uh, in these dual races on Thursday night? Yeah, well I'll go duel by duel. Um, duel one, don't play Joey Logano. I don't care <laughs> if he's built different. Don't play him. Zero um, percent. I don't care. Uh, as soon as he gets passed for the lead, and that will happen at some point. Uh, he would be wise to just drop out of it. Uh, we've seen it in the past. We've seen Alex Bowman lead the first 15, 20 laps when he's qualified, and then as soon as uh, it gets either a little dicey he gets passed for the lead, he just backs out of it. There's no need to wreck your car and then force yourself to start at the rear of the field for the Daytona 500 and then maybe get caught up in a random early one. Uh, so, you know, it was just a couple years ago we had – uh, a bunch of cars wreck on lap 14, I think it was. So, yeah. you know, there's no need to put yourself at the back of the field. So, A, don't start Joey Logano. Uh, Team Penske, they're one of the most strategic teams out there. I don't think they're going to want Joey Logano racing hard, uh, especially knowing how aggressive Joey Logano is. And we've seen Team Penske make strategic decisions before with Joey Logano. For example, in the playoffs, They've had him just run in the back when he's been, uh, you know, able to point his way in and, and things like that, just run in the back at Talladega. So I, I think that's what they're going to do here with Joey Logano. We always say he's, you know, a, a different character. He's super aggressive, whatever. But we've seen him run the strategy game as well, and that's just what's going to happen here. So for duel one, uh, and in both of these duels, but, uh, you know, you can play guys up in these top five, six, four, three positions. Uh, I'm probably not you know, rostering Kyle Larson too much, if any, because he starts second in duel one. But once you get outside of those first two or three, these are viable guys to lead a bunch of laps, win the race. I mean, heck, Kyle Larson could win the the duel and and be in the optimal DFS lineup. Uh, And then 
don't play JJ Yaley. That car is shitbox slow. Uh, the number <laughs> that 44 New York Racing. That that car I don't think can stay with a draft. Like if and then it almost makes Jimmy Johnson a terrible play because uh, he kind of just automatically races his way in by just being ahead of of a guy who is going to lose the draft, right? So yeah, if you're stacking the back, you don't really have to stack Jimmy Johnson uh, in the back, so you can go underweight on him. Uh, so I think that's dual one for me. And then it's just traditional. If you're new to stacking Denny's, it's just traditional uh, restrictor plate, or I should say not restrictor plate, super speedway strategy. They don't use restrictor plates anymore. I hate when people call them restrictor plate racing because it's not restrictor plate racing. They use a tapered spacer, which is technically not a restrictor plate, even though it restricts airflow to the engine. Uh, so my little soapbox there, first one of the year. We'll have many more, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, uh you know, Anthony Alfredo, he's locked in. Why would he want to wreck his car? So, you know, you got to look at each individual individual driver, each situation. But if I look at dual one, we've got Tyler Reddick in the back. Uh, obviously, we have Jimmy Johnson who's in the Toyota, but like I, I talked about him a little bit. Um, we could just see potentially some of the Toyotas just help Johnson stay out of trouble. But we do have Tyler Reddick in the back. We have Ty Gibbs. We have Martin Truex Jr. We have Eric Jones all in the back. We've got five Toyotas right back there, or six if you include Jimmy Johnson, or maybe it's just five. Uh to move their way forward if they want to obviously i'm not going to be high on johnson for the duel but you get the idea there's a bunch of toyotas in the back that may want to see what they have and uh maybe one of them ends up protecting jimmy johnson but i don't even think he needs the protection just because jj yaley's going to lose the draft so as long as he's hanging back there um it'll be fine and then it's again for those of you new to stacking denny's new to nascar dfs uh a welcome I hope you enjoy our rants throughout the year, our, our whine about it, our all sorts of segments that we have where we like to be a little opinionated. But for DFS strategy on super speedways, you want to play the ownership game. Uh, so if you think a driver is going to be ridiculously high owned, go underweight on him. And if you think a driver is going to be ridiculously too low owned, go overweight on them with the exception like i said of those first couple starting spots now when we get to the full daytona 500 we'll expand that beyond the first couple starting spots but at least for the duels uh you know it it, it you can go a little further ahead the other issue though with only 60 laps there's not a lot of laps led there's not a lot of fastest laps those get pretty spread yep. out uh so it doesn't really add a whole lot if your driver dominates the race. So it, it does make finishing position and place differential a little more valuable. But even then, even in the Daytona 500, we're not really worried about laps led or fastest laps too much. So uh, it's just the ownership game outside of a few driver situations in Duel 1. Now, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on Duel 1 before I go on to, to Duel 2 here since I've just been talking a lot. I'm right there with you. Um, you know, not playing Logano, not playing Larson. I'm not, I have no interest in that. To me, the sweet spot here is Ross Chastain through Daniel Suarez in the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. Fifth through tenth. Uh, Chastain, Gillen, Priest, Busher, Bowman, Suarez. Because yep. um, I feel like this, this is the area where these DFS contests are going to be won. Because I have a feeling... If, if one of these guys doesn't win it, they're going to finish top three, uh, at least uh, one or two of them is. And that's going to be where you really need to to, to make the, the move with your lineup. And that's where it's also the point in the starting lineup because really the only thing that matters when you're when you're building these DFS lineups at Daytona, at, at Talladega, at Atlanta, is starting position and, and, and then where they finish. So um, this this range of fifth through tenth is, is the quote-unquote scary range because they start – 
pretty far forward, but at the same time, you know, if if, if they wreck, they're or if they if they decide not to race, they're going to ruin probably ruin your roster. But um, but but they have the potential to put your lineup into the like win take take away the whole thing. So uh, I'm really interested in that whole um, uh, positions the, dr- the drivers yeah. throughout that that range. There, I think Busher is going to be quite popular. Bowman's going to be quite popular. You know, starting eighth and ninth. I'm kind of keying in right now before doing anything. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Ryan Priest there, and I'm also looking at Rash Chastain starting fifth. I, I really like those two. I think uh, I, I think they could get up there and, and maybe lead some laps. But I am concerned about Priest, you know, not having any other Fords to any help teammates. him with. Like, yeah, that, not a lot of Fords. You know, not a lot of teammates. You, <clears throat> you want to know what I think though, and and I agree with you. Priest not having a lot of help there uh, is kind of rough. He has Joey Logano up front as a Ford. He has Todd Gill and couple other forwards throughout this field but for me i i love alex bowman you know why he doesn't get to race this race every year because he's always qualifying on pole or on the front row right so he's always backing out of it this is his chance and he's got two teammates ahead of him he can hook up with them and go and finish inside the top three i think he's a a great play for dfs Another thing, noteworthy thing here about this this first duel is uh, Corey LaJoy and Carson Hosevar, both of the Spire mm-hmm. Motorsports, are in this. So get, it'll be interesting to see them working together, and I think they're both, you know, if you're stacking the back, those are two prime plays right there, in addition to Tyler Reddick there in the 45. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, one guy that, uh, that, that might go underweight compared to where he's starting is Daniel Hemrick, just because we don't have much mm-hmm. data on Daniel Hemrick. Uh, and starting 13th, he's kind of, you know, right there in the middle as far as the starting lineup. So I do like just off the top of my head, I do don't, I don't mind being overweight on Daniel Hemrick as much as that pains me personally to say that I I do like Hemrick in this first duel. Yeah, I agree with you right there. I think that's uh, a key guy is Daniel Hemrick. He's going to be maybe, maybe one of the lowest, uh, owned lowest roster drivers outside of Anthony Alfredo. Right. Uh, and then maybe. Mm -hmm. Logano Larson type stuff, but even then people are going to play Logano because they're they're dumb. Uh, but I agree with you. I think Daniel Hemrick will be one of the lowest owned on the slate, and if he finishes inside that top five or six, you know that's a, that's a winning DFS play most likely. So right there with you. Um, turning over to duel two, again, don't play Michael McDowell. Uh, nope. Don't not play a, not a ton of Austin Cindric. You know, it, it, William Byron doesn't really have any teammates maybe he'll hook up with some of the other chevys i mean he has kyle bush right next to him but you're you're talking again that sweet spot of five to ten uh if i look at the driver that is going to be uh lowest owned in that five to ten range it's it's going to be harrison burton uh but also riley herps noah gregson those are yep. interesting plays and you can, i don't think you can play all three of them uh but if you're you know multi-entering Having one of them in most of your lineups and, and occasionally two of them, I think, is uh, not a bad strategy at all because they're going to be pretty low owned. Uh, obviously, Give David Briscoe and Gregson. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Briscoe's teammates good. right there. Um, yep. Well, and Riley Herbst is a teammate as well. I know he's in the 15 car, but that's a Stewart Haas built car right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh, you know, then you have uh, who was I going to say? Oh, David Reagan's locked in. So he's mm-hmm. locked into the show. He doesn't have to race for a starting position here you know brad kozowski originally was gonna be like we're helping david reagan into the show but now that he's locked in not worried about that so then we look bj mcleod kaz Grala, that's where it comes down to both of these guys are going to try to race their way into the show i do think bj mcleod can keep 
with the draft. Uh, but one thing we have noticed in the duels with the next-gen car is it's easier to lose the draft simply because the draft isn't as big because there isn't as many cars. So I do think it's easier to lose the draft in the duels. And both of these guys could lose the draft, and they could be racing each other for that final spot. But Kazgrala certainly has the superior equipment, especially when you consider Todd Gilliland uh, and Michael McDowell both had very solid qualifying efforts. So what we could see is McDowell just drop back and help Kazgrala get in the show. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that. Like you said, like Grala's the play here. He's, he's the safest play. He has the best equipment between the two. Uh, but I think, you know, as far as highest owned on this slate, it's going to be Denny Hamlin's there starting 17th. Do you think it's better to just kind of go ownership-wise with the field and, and try to stay with him uh, with Denny Hamlin? Or do you want to take the underweight position here uh, and hope that something happens to him? Yeah, I think this is an interesting one because this is where all the Fords are, right? Uh, this is the one where you have McDowell, Sendrick, Burton, Herbs, Briscoe, Gregson, Blaney, you know, all these Fords. Are you going to be able to disrupt the Ford train? Uh, it, Ford could literally just lock Denny Hamlin out of the top eight or ten or so, and then maybe he's not even uh, worthy of consideration. So I think, And then there's always the chance something happens, right? So I think this is just an equal weight spot on Denny Hamlin, maybe a little lower. Um, But at the same time, Denny Hamlin's going to want to race. That's who he is. He's a racer. We heard his comments this week. Uh, You know, I love being a good teammate, but I'm trying to win the Daytona 500, so I'm going to be a little less teammate-y than I've been in the past. Might start with the duels. So I don't want to, you know, at least for Denny Hamlin, we know how good he is at these tracks uh, at super speedway racing. So I can't say, like, go crazy underweight on him. Maybe a little bit, but maybe not. It, it, I don't know. It, it, Denny Hamlin's kind of a neutral for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think about increasing? I, I'm with you there, by the way, as far as just trying to maintain with the field. I'm I'm good with, with staying in, like, whatever my projected ownership of Hamlin is. I'm good with staying there. But what do you think about turning up the correlation between uh, – Wallace Bell and Hamlin because you know those three are going to work together and you could also Absolutely. throw in John Hunter Nemechek the other Toyota there 100% yeah you gotta you gotta play the correlation game here these team manufacturers are going to be protecting each other in this uh more so than in the 500 like I'm almost not turning up any correlation at all probably won't at all for the Daytona 500 but for the uh the duels you absolutely want to turn up manufacturer correlation. So, uh, you know, you can select on the um, Fantasy Labs optimizer, uh, which mm-hmm. my projections will be in the Fantasy Labs optimizer for the duels. Uh, I'll have to do those super early tomorrow. But um, because I've got shows tomorrow morning, we've got running, the Running Hot podcast with Stevie TPFL. Then I'm going to be on Green Dot Daily talking the duels. So I either have to do it after that, which is pushing up towards dual time, or I got to do it super early tomorrow. So I'll try to get the projections for this done super early tomorrow or late tonight after we, we finish recording. I'll figure it out. But um, yeah, All so right. the Fantasy Labs Optimizer, John Hunter, Nemechek, Danny Hamlin, Bubba Wallace, uh, Christopher Bell, the, all those Toyotas, bump up the correlation. Similar with the Fords, bump up the correlation. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's what I would do in the duels. Yeah, looking at uh, this full, I, I guess we should probably go ahead and plug our stuff here quick. So, uh, where's where can everybody find all of your content this year, Nick? Yeah, so uh, obviously I am uh, with the Action Network, uh, predictive analyst at the Action Network. 
You can find all my articles at actionnetwork.com. Uh, for NASCAR, it would be actionnetwork.com slash NASCAR. Uh, in the Action Network app, make sure you download that. Uh, both Jordan and I track our picks in the Action Network app. My handle in the Action app is Nick underscore Giffen. Uh, and then my projections are over at Fantasy Labs. So Action Network is um, owns Fantasy Labs, and then Better Collective owns Action Network. Uh, so all my projections are at Fantasy Labs. Uh, so you can sign up for the package at Fantasy Labs and get access to my projections for Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series. We've got a great optimizer, one of the best, if not the best, out there. You can do all sorts of things like bump up correlations, uh, reverse correlations, uh, all sorts of things that you can do in the optimizer. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing optimizer. It's the only one I use. Uh, so obviously I'm biased, but it's the only one I use. I think it's I suits my needs 100%, especially for NASCAR. Uh, and I have a PhD in mathematics, so I. I kind of know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for over a decade, or I should say around a decade. Uh, uh, and then, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'll have my NASCAR DFS articles at Fantasy Labs as well. Nice. Yeah, um, you know, I obviously I'm over. I'm over. I'm still over at Rotoballer this year, but I I'm not going to lie or anything. I use Fantasy Labs Optimizer. That's what I use to yeah. build my lineups uh, for DFS. So definitely be sure to uh, check out Fantasy Labs and their optimizer and Nick's content everywhere it's at, Action Network, Fantasy Labs, everywhere. <clears throat> uh, all of my stuff will once again this year be at Rotoballer, rotoballer.com. Use code JORDAN24 uh, before the Daytona 500. It's going to take $70 off your subscription for the year. It's going to get all of my content down to $129 for the entire season. So you get all my picks, you get all my projections, you get my algorithm, you get my, you get access to the discord, which gets all my bets. And obviously like you, Nick, I, all of my tracked bets go on the action network app as well. So, um, make sure you check that out. And of course, follow us on Twitter. Nick is at Rotodoc. I am at fan racing online. And, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. It's always a fun season. Like you said, we've been doing this for – I mean, you've been doing this for over 10 years. I've been doing this close to 10 years. Um, we wouldn't keep doing it if we weren't successful and we didn't have fun. Um, exactly. I'm I'm as, par- as transparent as I can be uh, when it comes to betting and fantasy. I've had one bad year. I've lost money one year um, over the last 10. So – that's kind of my track record, and that's what I'm I'm standing with. Um, likewise, likewise, and, and I'm happy for that. Yeah. Last one year, it was it was 2019. It was the worst year of my life, and that was the only year I lost uh, lost money betting slash DFS. Uh, worst year of my life. I mean, meaning personally too. Uh, so, you know, I I don't just mean betting. I, and I did I obviously it impacted my betting and my DFS and all that stuff. I barely, I bar- I didn't get enough volume to even you know, uh, make it a significant win or a significant loss. Uh, like it almost just was a year that didn't count. But, uh, by the way, you can follow Jordan in the, in the action network app. As he said, his handle is fan racing online as well in the action network app. And I forgot to mention the running hot podcast that I do with Stevie TPFL of Roto grinders. Uh, we do the running hot podcast where we give out pure betting. Um, it's not fantasy. It's not DFS. Uh, just pure betting picks for each from Stevie and myself, and then our combined 
Victory Lane Pick. That podcast is out every Thursday afternoon as part of the Action Network family of podcasts. Yeah, be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out all of the NASCAR. There is a ton of great NASCAR content creators uh, in the betting and DFS space and just general Mm -hmm. NASCAR overall. You know, consume as much as you can. That is that has been our mantra for a while. You know, do as much research as you can on your own. Listen to as many people. It does get convoluted sometimes and it gets, you know, a little too much. But at the same time, a lot of people can get you on the right track here uh, to becoming a successful NASCAR better, successful NASCAR DFS player. Um, And 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 the other thing is once you kind of get an idea of if you are consuming a lot of different content creators, you also then figure out where the hive mind is. Are they all in the same place for DFS? Then maybe it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't play that yeah. guy. It becomes the mind game. Is is that guy going to be way too high? Does. Is everybody on him as the, the sleeper GPP pick? Then maybe he's not a sleeper GPP pick. So, yeah. just just it, That's why you should. Because uh, everybody out there has their own opinions. And they all have their own following. And they're all going to uh, form the basis for the uh, ownership in fantasy contests so um just you know another reason to consume everyone else's content plus they're all good nascar betting nascar fantasy um while some people are better at it than others and not everybody's going to win all the time uh by and large almost all the content creators know what they're doing and i've never really had an issue with uh any of the content creators in terms of being like man you provide bad information because i don't think they do Uh, i think they've all provided very good information Mm mm-hmm I 100% agree. And, you know, and the records speak for themselves. That's why we, you know, people that aren't successful in this space, uh, they get called out pretty quick, you know? Um, Same Mm -hmm. as a lot of other sports, they can hide it because there's so many other, you know, there's so so much going on in all the other sports. But NASCAR, you know, if you're considered one of the good ones, people are going to call you out when you have, when you have a bad, you know, a month or two. And we, I mean, we both see it, you know, we have bad months. <laughs> last and, year and I had a, last year I had a three month downswing, uh, lost like 30 units, but still ended up uh, close to 50 units tracked on the year and then more not tracked. So, uh, yeah, luckily this year in the action network app, I, and, and all experts have experts have the ability to custom track picks. We just have to, uh, get them manually graded, uh, by our, team in the background uh, the action network team but those are all going to be obviously fairly manually graded I, I don't get to grade them myself i just get to custom track them and then send them off to somebody else for gradings but uh so there's the there's all the picks you can do in the app like usual um but if we see something like you know number of cars to finish on the lead lap 16 and a half i could technically custom track that and then either it'll be a win or a loss and i'll, I'll notify the the action network app team to grade it Nice. It's it, it's been nice to see the progression of that app through over the last two years or so. Especially after they hired me because, you know, NASCAR actually became a thing in the app. And it, mm-hmm. then the first year, all we had was win, top three, top five, top ten. Last year, we added the top manufacturer stuff, uh, and, you know, uh, head-to-heads. And, or I guess previous year they had head-to-heads as well. But building a little more out, now we can do the custom and stuff. So uh, going to keep going to keep improving. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, switching gears here, go, going on to the actual race at Daytona on Sunday. 
what? Okay, so we know right now we know Logano's starting on the pole, and we know that he's probably going to pull about fifteen percent ownership, maybe higher. He might get up to twenty. Uh, we see it every year with a big name driver on the pole. They 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 get this ownership. Um, I know I'm personally I I'm zero percent Logano on Sunday. I don't I don't want any part of it. I will take my chance of of completely fading him. Uh, how much are you thinking? of going underweight there on uh, Logano, the pole sitter on Sunday. Because this, this is the first big decision people have to make. I can already tell you I will be at 0% Joey Logano. Yeah. Uh, the last time a driver was in the optimal lineup uh, starting from the pole for the Daytona 500 was never. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> happened maybe once or twice for uh, – uh, like the summer Daytona or, or a Talladega race, um, but not for the Daytona 500, not at all, especially not in the current era we're in where everything is aggressive. And I know track position has become a lot more important in the next-gen car at super speedway races than in the past, but the reason I still think you don't want to go too heavy on the front is because track position is so important. So if you fall out of – if you get shuffled out, all of a sudden, it's really hard to get back up front, and you're going to get shuffled out. We see so many leaders. Uh, we've in the eight next gen races at Talladega and Daytona, we've not seen a guy lead more than 67 laps, uh, and that's the max. So it's just uh, unlikely for a guy to dominate this race and then win the race. And even if you lead 67 laps, let's just round it to 60. It's 15 points on DraftKings. It's not a ton, uh, mm-hmm. and then. You know, if you start first and finish first, you know, you're, you're getting like 40-something points plus 15. You're, you're still not even cracking, maybe even cracking 60 points, right? So, uh, and that's kind of the threshold you want to have uh, a driver in the optimal lineup. It's not always going to be 60 points, but it's a, a target you want to shoot for is to have every driver in your lineup have 60 points within a small margin of error. And that's just so hard to do from the front row. Michael McDowell zero percent right like i mean the guy never leads laps anyway why would you ever roster him if he, he could win this race yeah. from second starting position and not even come close to being in the optimal lineup because he just doesn't lead laps so here's a stat for you from uh dr deandra I, I know she's one of your favorite follows there on twitter mm-hmm. or x or whatever it's called now nobody has won the daytona 500 from the front row since the year 2000 yeah so you're not gonna end up which in the is optimal lineup if you don't win the race yeah if, if you're starting in the front row yeah now you mentioned the it's gotten a little bit more important um track position wise at these super speedway races uh looking back at ownerships last year from the daytona 500 we had bowman starting first uh larson starting second 7.74 percent for bowman 10.65 percent for larson we had logano starting third he was at 15.18 percent where I think it gets interesting to me, I'm not really. T- I don't. I don't really have any interest in the top five. But with track position getting so much more emphasis with this next gen car, I'm interested in the non big names that start sixth through eleventh, sixth through twelfth. Because last year we had Ryan Blaney starting seventh, Chase Elliott starting eighth. They got seventeen and fifteen percent ownership. To me, that's a little too high. But we had Chris Busher. Start ninth, six point six nine percent. 
because he doesn't yeah. have – he's nice. not the big name. He's not the Brad Keselowski. He's not yeah. the Chase Elliott. He's not the Ryan Blaney, the guys that really grab those ownerships just based off of their name. And you also have to remember the amount of non-NASCAR people that are going to be playing this millionaire maker, which is also going to yep. sway ownerships a bit. Um, so that in of itself is, is another um, aspect to look for. Also, that said, same, Chris Buescher becomes a big name this year if he starts in that range. Exactly, he does. He does. <laughs> so you know, if you're listening, um, to this and because say, he, he Buescher starts in that you know, range, three wins last year, yeah, including one at uh, Daytona. Yeah, won the second Daytona yep. race last but, year. So this exact thinking and thought process also applies to the guys starting thirty first or worst, because. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had Kyle Busch starting 36th, 48% ownership. Ty Dillon and Riley Herp starting, starting right behind him, 37, 38, 18 points, 18% and 9%. Doesn't make any sense. They both have very, they all have very similar ceilings. One just has a name. So mm-hmm. this is where you play the ownership game and you try to get an edge on these guys the rest of the field just by going a little bit underweight on a guy like Kyle Busch and going overweight on guys like Ty Dillon and Riley Herbst. That said, if so, uh, J.J. Ailey somehow makes the field, I'm going 0% on J.J. Ailey. I don't care where he starts. Still in that 44 car? Yeah. He was what? Yeah, I, I think he was a full second off of the more than next that, slowest car of the, in qualifying. Yeah, yeah. Of the, I was going to say of the like the next car. I mean, it was that bad. It was that bad. That That car had no speed. This is like I honestly only the I second or third or fourth race they've even ever tried to qualify for. Uh, it's it, it second race they've ever tried to qualify for. It was it was bad. And I question why they even try. Because yeah, the news came out earlier this week with the whole Greg Biffle thing. You know him saying mm-hmm. they had apparently they had his name on the car and he's like I ain't racing for them because I never got paid for last year. Yeah. So what are you even doing? Like why are you even trying this? He was half guess, a second slower. JJ Ailey was half a second slower than BJ McLeod. Yeah. Which is awful enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we have concerns about McLeod being able to to stick with the draft. So, like, as you said, I, I, I think going back to that, I think that's something very important for people to take from this episode is a guy like JJ Ailey is going, it's more than likely going to lose the draft. And he's going to get a decent amount of ownership because he starts all the way back. So, yeah. So small things to remember, and like you said, to going back to the duels here, quick to to fully analyze the field and and try to think about how these guys are going to race and with the guys around them. So, and this this comes into discussion. This I don't know what our plan is for the podcast. We never write up an outline or anything like that. But it comes into a more philosophical discussion on how you want to approach playing something like the millionaire maker for me uh, if you don't win the million dollars you're almost surely losing money uh if you especially if you max enter and i'm a max enter for the millionaire maker i'm gonna do 150 lineups probably gonna lose almost all of it because the millionaire maker is so top heavy i plan like i budget losing one and a half two thousand dollars on this race uh simply because the the tournament formats are so bad but i do believe in the super long run I can be profitable by having a better edge at winning the million dollars. And uh, I came close two years ago, not last year, but two years ago, I came super damn close. I was literally leading the millionaire maker 
And as I took the screenshot to tweet it out, the field wrecked. And uh, I had like one or two lineups that were still alive. But at that point, you know, it goes from having 29 to 33 lineups or somewhere in their neighborhood that had a shot at Millie Maker to like two or three. And that's just uh, not enough. And uh, our buddy Sean Trailer won it. So that was that was good to see at least uh, that he had to pay all the taxes instead of me. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I do believe over the long run it's profitable. So it, it, to my general point here, it becomes a big philosophical thing on how do you approach a millionaire maker where it's so top heavy. And I get more extreme with my ownership percentages uh, simply because I have, I have stands. I take stands. Um, so instead of playing game three optimal, which I might do for most of the NASCAR season, uh, if I, you know, if and when I play DFS, is I try to get close to the optimal percentages on drivers. Well, technically, there is probably a half percent chance Joey Logano, you know, is in the optimal lineup, or a 1.3 percent chance Michael McDowell is in the optimal lineup, or whatever it ends up being, right? Like, technically, there's that. I don't give a shit about that. Is there technically a chance? JJ Yaley is in the optimal lineup if he qualifies and 90 percent of the field wrecks. Sure, but. I'm not going on those things. I'm going on uh, I would rather just knock those to zero and get really exploitative with uh, you know some of these leverage plays that we've been talking about that we alluded to in the duels. Uh, like you were saying, maybe get exploitative on Daniel Hemrick in the duels, but instead of the duel, what if he qualifies 17th in the you know for the starting position for the Daytona 500? We both hate Daniel Hemrick. We think he's terrible. But if he's 17th starting position for the Daytona 500, I'll probably be overweight on him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's just how you have to think about this. Um, I always say, Mike, my, my, my advice for, for Daytona and Talladega and all these, I don't care about a driver's history at this track. I don't care about who the driver is. I care a little bit about equipment. But at the end of the day, this is all this is all so random. And you're really, there's so much more emphasis to be put on the other, the people that you are competing against in these contests than the actual strategy of your lineups. When I build my lineups for Daytona, I run them through an optimizer and I crank that randomness and I have Mm -hmm. my parameters set of what I want, you know, starting position wise, but I'm cranking that randomness and it's, it's just, I'm letting it do its thing. Mm -hmm. I might hand build some lineups. But I'm just letting the computer do the whole thing. To be yeah, completely honest I, with you, because that's how random lineups, these races are. If I make 150 lineups for the Millie Maker, uh, I'm making 150 lineups by the randomizer, and then I'll probably take a few of those that I think are kind of rough and tweak them. Uh, and that's it. That's all I do. That's mm-hmm. literally all I do for the Millie Maker is I use the Fantasy Labs optimizer. I set my parameters, like you said. You can say I need at least three drivers starting 27th or worse or whatever, and. That changes, so don't take 27th uh, as wor- as yeah. gospel here yeah. because um, I like to break things into tiers as well. Uh, so if there's a tier of drivers and there's like a nice cutoff point where like you have a few really like like you're saying lesser known names or lower equipment in in like a consecutive starting position range, I'm not going to cut between them. I'm going to cut after them or before them mm-hmm. uh, as like a tier and say, okay, I'm going to start x many before or after that tier uh and and set a few parameters that way but uh by and large uh 
yeah, you just crank that randomness up. You don't worry about the all that stuff. You just there, there's it's the Daytona 500. There's almost no correlation, almost none. Not not none, but almost none uh, in terms of drivers and teams and this that and the other. Uh, and like you said, everybody everybody can win this race. I don't care your history. Everybody was down on Daniel Suarez, right? Because he was absolutely just the worst super speedway driver, maybe not in terms of talent, although you and I are both not exactly high on his talent, but just also just luck. Martin Truex Jr. Mm -hmm. has had bad luck, but like then all of a sudden Daniel Suarez had one of the best super speedway seasons last year of not just his own season, but all the drivers. Um, So, you know, it it just becomes one of those things where it track history or type track, you know, super speedway history doesn't really matter. It, when we're talking six, seven, three, five, nine races, that could be easily randomness. You could have nine DNFs in nine races or nine bad finishes in nine races. And, uh, all of that could be randomness. Literally all nine races could be bad luck. So, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, as Jordan was alluding to, we just got to kind of deal with it. You just, you just have to not worry about the name, not worry about the driver, not worry about the equipment outside of a few exceptions, uh, and use that to your advantage. I always say, and, and Jordan knows this, I always say this, one thing that's a lot easier to predict than the Daytona 500 itself I can't predict the outcome of the race. I, I can my model can get it to about ten percent accuracy, but I can predict ownership for the DFS contest, the Millie Maker, to anywhere from sixty to ninety percent accuracy. In sixty percent would be like the oh my god, that was absolutely horrible percentage. But usually it's north of 85 percent on what the ownership percentage will be for the Millie Maker for Daytona five hundred. But I can only predict the finishing outcome to 10% accuracy. And, and there isn't a statistical model in the world that will get you better than around 10 to 15% accuracy uh, on a good day for, for the Daytona 500. <clears throat> yeah, and that's and that's where we're at with these contests. Sorry for anybody watching on YouTube. You probably noticed I went off screen there. We're, I'm, I'm sick I, of hey, shit. Hey, look, look. I had shit stuck in my teeth. I was uh, <clears throat> trying to eat dinner here because my Uber Eats was – an hour late on the scheduled time and and 40 minutes late on the latest expected delivery time. So we had to even delay recording this because I'm trying to eat here. And so, you know, that's that's what you're going to get with stacking Denny's. You're just going to yeah. you're going to have these things happen. We're going to drink our drinks. We're going to give our opinions and we're going <clears> to <throat> eat eat salad on on YouTube. Yeah, we're powering through for you, uh, man. But yeah, looking at this, uh, looking at this um payout structure for the millionaire maker obviously we got a million up top got 105 106,000 entrants possible in this second place you're going to take home 100k uh 40k for third 20k for fourth and 15 uh if you finish 13th through 15th you're only winning two thousand dollars this payout structure is not good and you need to if you're if you're playing this, especially if you're max entering it, you need to have the mindset of I'm going to lose money at this. Like this, even this if you're not awful, maxing it, like yeah, like just, yeah, you just even if you're only throwing in, yeah, you just expect to lose. Uh, if you win, awesome. But overall, that should be the the mindset of, and, 
honestly, looking at looking at a lot of these contests on DraftKings, the uh, I'm so disappointed uh, where these are at. Uh, a lot of them, they're just not. This feels lazy. This feels like they just took the end of last year and kind of bumped it up a tiny bit. When in reality, they could have bumped it up a lot because a lot of these high dollar contests, a lot of these, uh, you know, non millionaire maker contests. They fill early, and these are going to fill early, and then they're going to just give us some shit ass. Just make it better, but whatever. They're going to do what they are. Like the the hundred eighty dollar contest, only having five k to first is laughable. That yep. thing could fill a contest five times that size for this yep. race. So definitely disappointing there from DraftKings. But hey, we got to do what we got to do. Um, and like you said, um, go with that or try to get that millionaire maker. I know, I know you're going to be attempting to hit that million once again, uh, looking at the driver's salaries, obviously salaries don't play a, a, a lot. Wow. Well, first off, they, <laughs> I just noticed they've already uploaded, they uploaded the qualifying results as the starting positions for all the drivers in this, in the millionaire maker or like in the Daytona 500. So good oh, job, DraftKings. Off the you're going to confuse a lot of people. Um, but is there anybody, you know, price wise that sticks out to you as either underpriced or overpriced that we could exploit? So I want to get back to the point of exploiting certain information. So we talked about guys that have a quote unquote, bad history, bad, bad track record at Daytona, Daniel Suarez, Martin Trix Jr. The more that people talk about that, the more people are going to believe it. And then you can use the opposite to gain an edge. And the same thing goes for the guys that are really good. So, you know, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, they're all very good super speedway drivers. You cannot deny that. But you also don't – you also have to realize that that if, – if, if Keselowski starts 20th, his ownership's going to get up – it's going to bump up by a significant amount simply because it's Brad Keselowski at a super speedway. Yep. So you, then you do the opposite, and in in my opinion, you go underweight on Kozlowski in that position. You know, just hypothetically speaking. Sure. Um, but as far as any of these, you know, these these, it's a lot of the lower drivers. Uh, as far as you know, price wise, a couple of them that are are sticking out to me is like Daniel Hamrick, who we talked about. He's he's fifty three hundred dollars for this race. Anthony Alfredo. Another guy that gets a bad rap, uh, he, he's in that 62 car for Beard Motorsports. He's at 5,200. And, of course, Riley Herbst, who's driving the 15 for Rick Ware, a.k.a. it's actually a Stuart Haas car. Uh, is there anybody on this list that, that kind of catches your eye um, as a as – a, and it's hard to say, you know, with, without having an actual starting lineup, but um, someone that could um, – their price doesn't really match their potential, and it could affect their ownership. I can't really say so because it's this is this is a major hypothetical and it's twofold for me. First of all, this is because you're asking me this question. I actually logged into DraftKings to look at prices because I haven't even looked at prices. Yeah. And second of all, I don't look at prices. I don't look at salaries. I I don't. I've never have, and I never. Maybe that's the point I was trying to get out for the Daytona 500. Yeah. I and I'm. Incredibly successful at super speedway racing, uh, especially Daytona 500 or the higher randomness super speedway races. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a shit. 
I don't give a shit about salary. Um, you can't tell me Kaz Grala is a good play at 5,600 because he's underpriced, because he's a good play regardless if he starts in the back or in the middle or right. in the front, because his name is Kaz Grala and nobody cares about him. Uh, mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you can't convince me that Kyle Larson is uh, a bad or a good play at 9,500. We all know he's not the greatest super speedway racer, but that doesn't mean he can't win this race. That doesn't mean he can't lead laps if he's, you know, and win this race if he starts 25th or whatever, you know. So there's, I just don't care. The only mm-hmm. thing I do with salary because it's an exploitative thing <clears throat> is in fantasy labs, you can say, well, what is my minimum salary I set? I'll, instead, I'll do what is my maximum salary I'll set. And I'll leave like, and I don't, I, I randomly choose it. I basically spin a wheel and flip a coin or whatever. Uh, I won't use 50000 as my max salary uh, unless it like hits like the 1% outcome. Um, I'll use like forty nine nine or forty nine eight or forty nine seven or forty nine six forty nine five as my like maximum salary cap that I will use out of the fifty thousand dollars because it's the millionaire maker. People like you said, casuals will enter. Uh, people from that play DFS and other sports will enter, and they'll think they need to use the maximum amount of salary and get all the best drivers in there. And you don't, you don't. And the the good people know that we're not preaching anything new. To all of you experienced DFS players, uh, but uh, I have zero interest in using all my salary cap in this one, and I will intentionally, if the optimal line is a $50,000 lineup, that'll probably be the first time in the history of super speedway racing that the optimal line has been $50,000. Yeah, I want to say that there was, there was one lineup a couple years ago that took down a GPP. It wasn't the optimal, but it took it down and it was like, it was in the high forties. But other, yeah. other than that, it's usually in the low forties, you know, Mid-40s, in the thirties even. Yeah. Very high thirties. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So definitely something and to I keep in mind. I will go through there. and call out some of those. Like if I, if I do 150 on fantasy labs and all of a sudden I see one that's like 33,000, I'll probably call that out and throw a few better drivers in there, that kind of thing. But yeah. That's the exception to the rule, right? Like, by and large, I don't care about salary. Yeah. I think, what what was it? The, um, oh, the Daytona race uh, with the million dollar parlay, top 10 parlay. That was a race where the, you know, $30,000 lineup could have. There was a Talladega race a couple of years ago that was 36,100 or 38,100. It was three even number. 100 uh, as the optimal lineup. And I had like JJ Yaley in it back when JJ Yaley was, you know, at least racing for like uh, slightly better teams than New York racing. Um, it had uh, all sorts of just like random ass drivers in it. And it was like, I, I'm pretty sure it's 36,100 was the optimal lineup in that. But uh, you get the point. Like these, these winning lineups, these optimal lineups can be anything. They could be mm-hmm. any price range, especially north of like thirty-five thousand. So the probability that it's fifty thousand is so low that I just eliminate it because too many people try to fill the cap. Yep. Yep. Right there with you. Um. You have any other tips overall for for building good DFS lineups for Daytona? Um. 
use an optimizer uh, unless you're doing them by hand, obviously. And I would only do them by hand if you have a, a small handful of lineups. You got to use an optimizer. Use an optimizer that lets you separate by starting position, right? Like five or more starting twentieth or worse, or you know certain rules. But also, um, build like fifty lineups with a set of rules. Then build 50 lines with a different set of rules, right? Because you want to kind of vary things up. Uh, I don't want all 150 of my lineups to have three drivers starting 30th or worse. Mm. I want most of them to. But if I say I need three drivers starting 30th or worse, um, that's going to make it happen in all 150. Uh, and then you say, well, why don't you just do at least two starting 30th or worse? And I'll say, well, then I'm not getting enough starting 30th or worse. So you kind of yeah. got to like do it in sections. Um, build two or three, four, five different rule sets, depending on what you think is uh, potentially uh, capable of happening in the Daytona 500. And obviously, uh, you know, it's one of those things. We don't know how many different rule sets to build until we see the starting lineup, until we see where the analysis falls. But uh, I, I would I would consider building at least two or three minimum rule sets for setting, uh, if you're max entering for, for doing that. Now, if you're just... A casual player trying to throw a few lineups into the Millie Maker, there really isn't a whole lot of strategy other than uh, play some of these lower-owned guys and get away from the the super big names. That'll improve your chances of winning the big prize. Now, it also depends on your goals. I have a crazy high-risk tolerance. I could literally lose all 150 of my entries and get $0. I'd be totally fine with that and still feel like I made good decisions. Uh if you're entering 10 times and you would hate to lose those 10 entries and get $0, that's different than if you're like, yeah, it doesn't bother me if I lose all 10 entries. So your risk tolerance also comes into play. Why are you playing Millie Maker or another contest? Well, like why? And if you're um, playing to make money, A, don't play the Millie Maker, period. And B, if you are playing the Millie Maker to make money, then you got to go risky. So, um, you know, the only way you're going to win the million or make money if you're entering 10 times and uh, the, the buy-in is however much it is, $25, that's 250 bucks. Um, the only way you're going to make money is if you finish uh, inside the top 175 positions out of a maximum of 105,000 entries, right? So you got to be not in the top 1%, the top 0.1% to make money if you're only entering 10 times. Um, or you got to have two, you know, in the top point couple percent. So you got to get a little risky. Sure, certainly a chalky lineup could theoretically win it, but then you're splitting it with 25 people so or 50 people or whatever. So um, if you're entering the Million Maker, get a little risky. Uh, and also... If, and again, if you're trying to make money on that, be a little, when I say be a little risky, be a little risky with your ownership percentages, but also tend towards starting guys further in the back because that's safer. Um, now, if you're max entering, you don't have to do that. You can start some of those guys further forward and get a little, but you still want to be risky, right? You still want to go a little exploitative on ownerships. If guys are going to be too low owned, don't just go in the GTO, go a little bit over. If guys are going to be too high owned, don't just go to the GTO game theory optimal ownership percentage. Go a little bit lower than that. You can get a little exploitative. You give yourself a better chance 
of winning the million dollars, which is my goal is to win the million dollars. My goal isn't, if I finish second, get $100,000, I guess I'll be happy, but I mean, that's, <laughs> like, it's honestly, not the same. it's not, A, it's not the same. You could 10X that money, and B, like, $100,000 would be a great day, but that's only a little bit more than my best cash ever, so, yeah. Um, that's about it. Where was I gonna go with that? You cut out there, by the way. Okay, there we go. There's a little. Yeah, we tried a there. couple connection um, issues. Yeah. Um. As far as let's see here, let's move on to uh, let's move on to some betting. I know we have a couple. You and I have a couple bets for Daytona already locked in. Um. DraftKings is offering a 50% boost on any sport, any bet. Uh, and I'm not, I'm now not a fan of that stat that nobody from the front row has won the Daytona 500 since the year 2000, because I use that boost on Joey Logano to get him at 21 to one uh, <laughs> to win. So I guess the Jordan Jinx is coming out early because Joey Logano oh, ain't no. winning this damn race. According to, uh, according to history uh, since the year 2000. So, but there have been some other um, very interesting lines out there and some prop bets that have, have caught our eye. <clears throat> I know you and I both hit a uh, number of Toyotas in the top 10 over one and a half. Um, I think I got in at minus 110 or minus 115. You got in at minus 130. Um, definitely like that, though. Uh, I don't care. Like we said, we don't care about the, the lack of speed in qualifying. <clears throat> That that line of only needing two into the top ten is 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 favorable, and it, it's not going to take much funny, to get those um, guys up there. I actually, got it at minus one twenty, but uh, it's oh, yeah, funny. Right. I uh, I um tried to get in at minus one five, and so um a also hat tip to the guys that win the race. They got that at plus money. Um, yeah, I didn't even know they took it. Like I had, I talked to zero of them, whether it was Greg Mathern or uh, Ryan Stevens or any of the guys that win the race. I just happened to randomly notice it myself. I was just browsing through on Caesars and happened to see minus 105. And as soon as I try to bet minus 105, it moves to minus 110. As soon as I try to bet minus 110, it moves to minus 120, right? Like, it's like one of those things where I just couldn't get the bets in in time. Uh, and so uh, ended up getting minus 120 because it was on the move and totally happened to notice it independently of everyone else. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that one was just a, a fun little one. Yeah, and like and you, that's the other like problem. you said, that's the uh, other problem. I couldn't even recommend it to my Discord because at that point it already moved to minus one forty. I'm like, I can't even recommend yeah. this at this point. So if you're if yeah. you're listening to this podcast and you're in the Action Network Discord, I'm sorry because as you know, and I, we've talked about this in in the Action Network Discord for a long time. I'm always going to take care of myself first because that's what I have to do, uh, and then I'll give the pick out if the line is still good. And by that time, it had already moved minus one forty and. Well, I still like it. I just I don't want to give you all a minus 140 play on something that should be minus 155, minus 160, right? It's a little thin. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of that. Like I'll end up with bets that my Discord or my followers or my following doesn't end up with simply because I have to take it myself first. Um, and A, I end up moving line even if I take it myself half the time. And B... Um, 
if it somehow other people find it, other sharp betters, uh, like I would say the guys that win the race are, find it, they're also quickly going to move the line. And that's why, if you're in my Action Network Discord, I don't even take the time to write things up. I don't take the time to at everyone at here, at whatever. I just post it, try to bold it, and say, I took this bet. And if I have the opportunity to track it, I will do that, but sometimes I have to custom track it, and I have to have the app or the book or, or on the web page or whatever open. I have to refresh it before I track it to make sure it hasn't moved because I'm not allowed to track, as you are, Jordan, a stale line, right? So if the line is no longer available, I am not allowed to track it. Uh, so that is just how that works, is uh, being a content creator and being a better who likes to bet things to make money is a bit of a conflict of interest. I have to take care of myself first. And then if my following is able to get the bet, I make sure they can get the bet as well. Mm -hmm. um, one thing to note about Toyota, between the two races last year, they had one top 10 finisher. That was Bell, Christopher Bell, finishing third in last year's Daytona 500. But like we said, more Toyotas this year, which I don't think that line accounted for. No. And there's a lot of really good plate racer, not plate racers, super speeder racers in the Toyota <laughs> camp. Eric Jones is now in Toyota. Yeah. Denny Hamlin, probably the best in a Toyota. Christopher Bell is very good at super speedways, despite not having all the finishes. Martin yep, Trix Jr., Martin better Trix than he performs. Um, you know, we don't really know about Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs could be end up being very good. Um, but so, Wall is super good. <clears throat> Definitely, I, I like uh, that bet. Oh yeah, Bubba Wall. I'm forgetting Bubba, Bubba Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, Jesus. Ty Tyler Reddick, Tyler Reddick almost won a super speeder race for wrecking himself with one or two to go. You know, um, a couple of years ago when he was with RCR. So, yeah, these guys they can they're great drivers. They all can win. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek underrated probably just because he's coming up from Xfinity has probably has the talent upside of his own teammate Eric Jones. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. this Toyota camp is loaded, and they may have an extra car in Jimmy Johnson, a seven-time series champion. Uh, it's, it's a good group. Like, they're better than the average car, and they are going to make up at least eight of the 40 positions, which is 20% of the field, potentially 22.5% of the field. So just on average, as an average car, you would expect them – to have two or 2.25 finishers inside the top 10 on the long run. And I would skew that even towards more towards like two and a half on the long run. Uh, like if we replayed this race a gazillion times over simply because they're just better racers, uh, better drivers, better equipment as well at this track, uh, at this type of track. And, and just in terms of the quality of drivers. Mm -hmm. Uh like I said, the the Toyota over one and a half top ten finishers for this race. Is there any other bets that that have caught your eye and that you've hit for for Daytona? Yeah, um, the uh, <clears throat> under seventy three and a half most laps led uh, by any yeah. driver at Caesars was great. I hit that right away. I'm pretty sure that's the one I was able to give in the Action Network Discord. Uh, I don't know if that is still the line. Um, I honestly haven't looked. Let me pull it back they, up. They took everything they, down. Oh yeah, that's true. They took everything down. So I hit that. That line right. should be in the in the 
40s or, or maybe the low 50s if you think this year is going to be a slightly more snoozy fest, which I don't think it will be. Um, that was just a bad line. Uh, earlier, I don't really care, what, today I don't really care what number or what price you got on that. What was that? What did you say? Earlier today it was 71.5. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, if it's 71.5, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 73.5, 71.5, 67.5. It doesn't matter. Every single time it's been less than 67 or 67 or less, right? I don't care what the number is. Uh, the median yep. should not be that high, and the median is what we're trying to bet. We're not trying to bet the uh, – like I always talk about this when we're doing NCAA basketball betting, right? If a guy's average – uh, assist is four and a half. His median is actually closer to four because sometimes he's going to get seven, eight, nine, ten, which will skew the average upward. Uh, it's the same thing here with the laps led. They're so like the maximum laps led by any driver. It's so skewed that the median is going to be in the forties and the average is going to be a little higher. Uh, and it's certainly going to be nowhere near the peak, which the peak was below 71 and a half. Like, I would have matched it at any number at any price in the 70s. Uh, I don't care. Uh, so, uh, you know, if it moved 10 cents, if it moves 5 cents, if it moves one or two laps, none of that shit matters uh, when you're talking about something that's yeah. that far off market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't got any money down on that, but hopefully they reopen that uh, in the 70s because even with Logano starting on the pole, I don't see anybody coming no. close to 70 and something I shouldn't say it doesn't led. matter. Obviously, it matters. Every cent, every lap technically matters. But when I'm saying it doesn't matter, I'm ta- we're talking fractions of percentage points is how it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, any outrights that, that, that are currently available that caught your eye or recently available, I, I guess? I don't know if any outrights are currently available because we're recording this right after qualifying. Um, I think Caesars has outrights available up right now. All right, let me, let me scroll through them. Um, you know, I could, uh, I could not hate something like, uh, Kazgrala 150 to one in the same equipment as Michael McDowell, who is 25 to one. <laughs> I could, I could yep. not hate that. You know what I mean? Um, I could not hate David Reagan whatever you can get if you can get them triple digits i don't I, and i haven't bet it i was kind of waiting to see how things would go but i don't hate david reagan at 75 100 if that's out there uh when brad kislowski is 12 to 1 his teammate uh and you listen to brad kislowski's interview brad kislowski says he gives us a better chance to win so um they're planning on if they can't win david reagan can still win right like david reagan's a great super speedway racer um, and I remember like what cars were the best 100 to one. Yeah. Remember what cars were the best at Daytona last year? It was Brad Kozlowski and Chris Buescher. Mm-hmm. They were the best in both races last year. Yeah. I'm trying to uh, pull up more odds now that we're talking about it. Cause I've been so like ever since qualifying ended, my <clears throat> brain has been a, will my Uber eats get here and <laughs> B <laughs> and B um, what do I need to do to prepare for DFS projections for the duels? Because that's the next thing on my plate. I always go to the next thing on my plate and the next thing on my plate, I mean, technically it's stacking Denny's podcast, but 
the podcast as as we do we cover a wide range of things so uh as far as my job i'm focused on like what is the next thing i need to do for my job and it's not outright betting right (laughs) for the daytona 500 um so i pulled up FanDuel. i pulled up DraftKings. uh i'm pulling up bet mgm right now i don't see any on FanDuel or DraftKings. uh daytona 500 race runner on bet mgm available right now let me scroll through that uh, yeah, it doesn't look any better on David Reagan. He's sixty to one at BetMGM. I'm looking at, I'm looking at SuperBook right now, and they have Yaley and McLeod both at a thousand to one. Wouldn't touch those. <laughs> Untouchable. They have Grala. They have Grala at two hundred to one. Don't hate that. I'm pulling up SuperBook right now as well. Uh, now that you said that. Um, and Alfredo at three hundred to one. Fast pasta at three hundred to one when he qualified mid pack. Yeah, yo, I'm I'm betting that right now. Holy, give shit. me top ten odds on that. Yeah, uh, they have top three on him <clears throat> at seventy five to one for a top three. All right, Anthony Alfredo seventy five to one top three. I am betting that right now on stacking Denny's. You won't hear this until we release the episode. Uh, so I'll try to not blow that up before this episode comes out. But uh, if we look at Anthony Alfredo, top three at BetMGM, he is 22 to 1. So 75 to 1, 22 to 1, big difference. Um, yeah, going to get that bet in right now. I'm doing the exact same thing. Yeah, we're both like... Uh, both like trying to get the bets in here. There we go. Plus, we Sorry. like Alfredo's. Like we both like Alfredo. It's yeah. fun rooting for him. Yes, yes, it is fun rooting. Mm-hmm. All right, all set. That's that's a good one. Let me uh, actually. I didn't even. I, as soon as I got to Anthony Alfredo seventy five to one, I stopped looking. Uh, apparently, I got all sorts of. If you're watching on YouTube, apparently, I got my salad in my phone. Um, so we're off to an amazing start yeah. here. Uh, scrolling through these, I want to go back to the outrights because the outrights don't form the T threes on a lot of these books. The top threes. Um, Dave Reagan sixty at Superbook no. Like I said, I don't hate Kaz Grala 150, so I don't hate him 200 to one outright. Like I'm even better with Alfredo, but uh, these are like super long shots. Like they're not expected to win, but I think they win more than 300 to one. I mean, hell, Trevor Bain won in the Wood Brothers car in 2011 uh, as a rookie on his birthday. Dinger's down to 50. Henrik's 100 to one. That's in a college car. Uh, and then looking at the favorites. Joey is Joey shortened a ten to one at Superbook, which I think is a mistake. I'd like to see this mid tier. Okay, I love this mid tier. Um, it's I'm not gonna bet these. These aren't bets I'm making. I would love to see the duels, but just the fact that you're fast enough to hang with the pack. Uh, Ty Gibbs thirty to one. Austin Cindric thirty to one. Kyle Larson twenty five to one. Alex Bowman thirty to one. Martin Truex Jr. thirty to one. Tyler Reddick thirty to one. Ross Chastain, 30 to 1. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, 30 to 1. Eric Jones, 30 to 1. Like, 
to me, betting these super speedway races isn't about finding Brad at 12 or Busher at 14 or Joey at 16. It's about taking guys in some of the best damn equipment out there uh, or super yeah. talented super speedway guys at the 30 to, 30 to 1 range. And because uh, they have pretty much just as much chance to win as these 12, 14, 16 to 1 guys. Like, when was the last time uh, either Brad or Joey won the Daytona 500? Uh, it was when Joey did. They've combined won one Daytona 500 out of how many starts? Uh, you could throw in Denny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney. Let's say if we look at Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano and, and Brad Keselowski, uh, Daytona 500 only. How many have they won? They have won four combined out of all the starts they've had together for the Daytona 500. And, you know, we could possibly eliminate certain Blaney ones where he was on Wood Brothers. But even then, he dominated a race with the Wood Brothers at the Daytona 500. So I don't think we can really throw those out. Um, hell, Brad Kozlowski was winning races when he was uh, in the number whatever Finch car. Uh, I think it was the 88 back then. Uh, when he flipped Carl Edwards into the fence. Uh, you know, I mean, like, I can't really throw out any of these Daytona 500s for any of these guys because Trevor Bain won on his first try. So if you just look at all the Daytona 500s, those four drivers, they've won four combined, and three of them are Danny Hamlin. Uh, out of all of their starts, what's that win rate? It's less than 10%, right? It's less than 8%. You're not getting good value on betting the favorites. You just aren't. They don't... The, Four of the last six winners have been 30 to 1 or longer. Odds. Uh, we're in the era where, like, you could just cannot bet guys who are 12 to 1, 14 to 1. Um, you got you mentioned you got Joey Logano, but you got him with an odds boost to 21 to 1. That's more where I would take it is if you're getting, like, 20 on some of these guys. <laughs> you mentioned Ross Chastain, and that's the one that stuck out to me. I, I like him there at 30. Yeah, I, I like Ross at 30 for sure. Um, I bet him 40, I think it was, at Talladega when he won uh, a couple years ago. So yeah. right there with you. Uh, another guy I like that I that I bet is Christopher Bell. Uh, I think I got him at 25 or 20 to 1. Um, I feel like he's typically a very underrated driver uh, when it comes to super speedways. And yep. he has the talent to get there to the front. So, um I forget what I got him at. I'm trying to pull up all the starts of these drivers that I mentioned because I have to go through and do a search of it. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Ryan Blaney. If I just take those four guys who I think most people would consider the four most prestigious super speedway racers right now, and I just pull up their Daytona 500s. I'm almost there. Uh, race number one of the season. They have combined a start... 60 Daytona 500s, and they have won four. So one out of every 15 Daytona 500s these guys win. So you need at least 14 to 1 odds on these guys uh, mm -hmm. to bet them. And that's and that's being pretty generous uh, on them. So you know, just take that with a grain of salt. I'd say it's 50, 56 since 2005. Uh, I, I was looking at adding those four this year. But they've won four out of 56, right? So four divided by 56 is one out of every 14. Uh, so you can't take them in anything shorter than 13 to one. Uh, and that's assuming you think they're that good right now. 
um, that elite. And and I think with the way the field is now, compared to how it was a handful of years ago, it's a little more random than it was, you know, back in in uh, the mid teens uh, of the two thousands. I agree with you there, hundred percent. Um, like I said, Chastain's really catching my eye. And, and as far as, you know, like other somewhat favorites, you're talking about, you know, betting on equipment, William Byron sneaking there almost into the twenties. I also don't hate that. Uh, he's 18 at a couple of books. I noticed, um, definitely like maybe putting some money there on, on boy, Willie B. Um, but yeah, definitely Chastain. He's, he's, he's keeping my eye on Christopher Bell. Those are my favorites right now, but. It's only Wednesday. My mind can change by the time we get to Sunday. So I'm in. Um, I'm, in I'm in officially in. Uh, like I said, we talked about fast pasta top three, seventy-five to one quarter unit. Officially in. Nice. So yeah, can't wait. Can't wait for him to wreck first lap. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't even care. Like, 75 to 1 is just way too long. Yeah, and he's in a good car. And we've seen him run mm-hmm. competitively before at these in these races. So, I like it. I like the 75 to 1. I hope we get similar odds on, like, a top 5 or a top 10. But it's probably yeah. hoping for too much. Yeah, I I mean, Kaz Grala, he's, he's fucking... <sighs> Let me pull Superbook back up. Uh, he is 50 to 1 for a T3. I don't hate that either, but like of the two, I'll just take Anthony Alfredo. Like, I view them similarly. They're both solid Xfinity drivers who have tended to be in pretty inferior equipment uh, that have had upside results. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Kaz Grala. I think he's had top 10 finishes two or three times in the Cup Series. Uh, in a handful of races. Uh, but Anthony Alfredo can do the same thing, right? The, both those guys have the ability to pull off a top three if the situation is right, if it, if things work out in their favor. Mm-hmm. Plus it's Daytona. Nothing is mm-hmm. guaranteed. Nothing is able to be predicted. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and let's get to the picks to win, our picks to win. This first race. <clears throat> I uh, let me pull my spreadsheet up here. I think last year did you uh, didn't you like random throw a dart at a dartboard? <clears throat> <laughs> I think I, I did. Around? Um, a I know one of the races you did something like random. One... Yeah. Random. Yeah, I think it might have been the. Um, I think it might have been the second Daytona race. Honestly, don't hate doing that for this one. I'll do one to forty-two, and if it's one of the shit boxes, I'll I'll redraw, uh, and that'll be based off of their qualifying speed. So one to forty-two. So like Kaz Grala be forty-two because so, he didn't even complete a qualifying lap. JGL would be forty-one, all the way up to McDowell be two. Joey Logano be one. So looking back at last year, we did not get off to a good start uh, with our picks for this. 
Uh, I had Bubba Wallace who finished 20th. You had William Byron who finished 34th. So let's try to do better this year. I am going, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to go Ross Chastain. It's stuck in my head now. I think Ross Chastain wins this damn race. Jordan, you know I'd say Ross Chastain to win the championship. We haven't even talked season-long bets, have we? We should, probably. Um, but uh, I took Ross Chastain to win the championship 22-1. to 1. That's a good bet. <laughs> but as much as I hate to you say it, that's a good that bet. Two year, you know you would have killed for that two years ago once we saw how good he was, right? Yeah. Remember when I was hooting and hollering about how I got 50, 60 to one, and then he was 15 to one. We were like, that's still a good bet. Yeah. 20, 22 to one. That, that range after, is still good. After how they closed out last year. Yeah. And how good they are at Phoenix. He had the best car at Phoenix last year, not even getting the championship four cars, right? The first guy to ever win a race that wasn't in the championship four in the championship race. But the year before that, remember, he was catching – Logano, who had Blaney as his wingman mm-hmm. for the title, and the, maybe the only reason he didn't win the title was because Blaney was wingman for Logano, and Blaney was faster than Logano. He could have passed him, uh, and that absolutely would have let Ross catch Joey. The question, would he have passed him, is still up for debate, but uh, he arguably had the second best, maybe the best car in that race uh, in two consecutive years at Phoenix. So it's it's literally a pure Phoenix play. He was plus 350, plus 400 to make Phoenix. Why is he 2022 to win the title if he's plus 350, plus 400 to make Phoenix? Uh, so I that I I know you just took him to win the Daytona 500, but 20 to 1 for the title if you have that available, uh, if it's out there. Um, let me see what DraftKings still has. Uh, Cup Futures. Ross Chastain, 18 to 1 now. That's where I got him was 22 at DraftKings, but he's 18 to 1. I don't, I don't hate that. I obviously prefer 2022, but if you can find that. I don't mind it. Still solid. I still yeah. like that. Yeah. It's the only championship that I've made so far this year because you know I hate championship bets. Yeah. So if I yeah. make one, you know I have to like it. Like, there's a lot. There's no way I'll make a championship bet if I don't like it. All right. Generate. Got sixth. your randomizer. So qualified sixth. William Byron. William Byron qualified sixth. <laughs> That's my pick to win the Daytona 500. Byron, two years in a row. Did I pick him last year? Yeah. No shit. Oh, shit. All right. Well, William Byron, Daytona 500 winner. I do like how we both have drivers that. <clears throat> Their odds are, you know, stick out a little bit this 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 week. Yeah. Chastain sitting there at thirty, and Byron sitting there at eighteen. <laughs> yep. <sighs> All right. I I really like that seventy-five to one. Alfredo bet it. Alfredo bet. I, I don't understand that. He qualified like mid-pack. He qualified like twentieth or something. Yeah, twentieth. He's in the Beard Chevy. Brendan Gunn used to take that car to regular top six, eight finishes. Do I think he can finish top three once out of every 75 tries? Absolutely. What What if, like yeah. like Jordan, like what if not only the Toyotas were slow in, slow in qualifying, but like what if they just end up having a shit package and having a shit race until they figure it out, you know, after a couple, two, three super speedway events? Mm-hmm. 
Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility right now. Obviously, we don't know until the duels, but at this point in time, with our current knowledge, that's not out of the realm of possibility. The Toyotas were surprised by their own slow speed. Um, it's just hard for me to be like, this guy qual... And I qualifying doesn't matter at these things. Like, it doesn't. But speed matters, and if you just lack speed... It's a lot harder to finish top three. It doesn't mean you can't. It's just a lot harder. And we know Alfredo doesn't lack speed. He had the same speed as Daniel Suarez, essentially. Uh, he had the same better speed than Brad Keselowski. We don't hate Brad Keselowski's chances to finish top three in this race. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, in terms of just raw qualifying speed, now obviously it's different in how it performs in the draft and all that stuff, but is there a non-zero chance like Toyota maybe just has missed it right now for this type of racing style i i would say it's non-zero i don't think it's i don't think they're going to struggle in the race i would say 99 percent chance they don't but there's that one percent chance maybe they do right looking at i'm looking at beard motorsports uh they did have a top five at here at daytona with noah gregson in 2022 yeah. and and brendan gunn had several good finishes uh at super speedways whether it was Daytona or Talladega. Yeah, going back to 2020, they finished, Brendan Gaughan finished seventh here at Daytona 500 and eighth at the second Daytona race. So I like yeah. it. Exactly. Um, Beard. Pulling that up there. Finishes. Yeah, Gregson is a fifth. Gone has a seventh in 2017 second Daytona, a seventh in 2021st Daytona, an eighth at 2019 at first Talladega, an eighth at 2020 second Daytona, 11th uh, at the 500 in 2017, a 12th, a 12th, and a 14th, right? Like they have, out of 26 Super Speedway starts, they have eight top 12s. Mm-hmm. So 30, more than 30% of the time, they're finishing inside the top 12 at Super Speedways. And that's at some of the more calm ones, right? Uh, Pre-playoff uh, cutoff race Daytona, Talladegas, right? Those are more of the calm ones. Uh, so it, it's, it's one of those things, like, they definitely could. They absolutely definitely could finish top three. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all 40 percent of the daytona 500s they started they finished inside the top 12 let me look at uh next gen era daytona 2 let me, let me pull that up daytona um one one out of uh, both daytona twos they finished inside the top 14 and I realized I was actually not including all the correct shit here. Um, let me just pull up Super Speedways. I had I had a, their road course in there, uh, Charlotte starts and stuff. So actually, out of twenty three Super Speedway starts, they've had what did I say? Um, eight, eight out of twenty three. Yeah, so thirty five percent of the time they finish in the top twelve. And nine, if we want to do top 15, it's nine out of 23. Uh, so almost 40% of the time 
39.1% of the time they finished inside the top 15 at super speedways. And again, it skews more towards the highly random super speedways where they're getting these top 15 finishes. So mm-hmm. it's like 40% that, you know, Anthony Alfredo potentially could finish inside the top 15, give or take a little bit, right? Maybe he's air quote worse than the average super speedway driver. Uh, but then maybe it's still only instead of 40%, maybe it's 33%, but a third of the time he's finishing in the top 15, uh, definitely 75 to one to finish in the top three. Yeah. And I will continue to watch top 10 lines, um, as this week progresses for sure. Remember last year, right? We recorded on a Tuesday and, uh, FanDuel came out with that, like, no driver to win yeah. two or more stages and they priced it completely wrong like look for that shit like mm-hmm. look for these it, Jordan and I talked about it the 73 and a half most laps led by any driver just a bad line um, Toyota over or under one and a half drivers inside the top 10 just a bad line look for those kinds of things um, that's how you're going to make your money on the Daytona 500 obviously you can make money betting these uh, outrights, top threes, top fives, top tens. It's just a little bit harder. You have to, uh, those are going to be more efficient lines because of those more bet lines. And we are able to grade drivers a lot better than some of these niche oddball prop markets. So um, as the week goes on, look for prop markets that don't make sense. Mm. And always try to exploit. Yeah. It's been the theme theme of this episode. But, hey, I am crashing hard. Um, I'm sick of shit. I, I'm crashing right now. So we're going to go ahead and end this episode. And hopefully next week we, I'll be healthy. Nick's food will get there on time. And we won't have to deal with any <laughs> other bullshit. Um, That's right. Thank you, as always, um, Luvabella Winery and the Brew Kettle this year, a new sponsor coming aboard. Uh, we should have – new wine and new beer in our hands. And we will be bringing back that segment uh, where we bitch about stuff in the NASCAR world. So thank you. Make sure to check out both of our content as we talked about earlier in this podcast. And we will talk to you guys next week uh, talking about Atlanta. That's the second race, right? Yeah. We're going we're going right back to uh, dra- more drafting races at Atlanta. Yeah. See how that goes over. But, hey, Daytona's here. It's officially the 2024 NASCAR season. We've been waiting on this for months. So, good luck to everybody this weekend. Hopefully, one of our listeners, hopefully you, wins the Millie. But if not, hopefully it's a Stacking Denny's listener. That'd be pretty cool. If you win the Millie... Uh and it's because of our advice or, or slightly because of our advice, just let us know. Just let us know. We, we've had yeah. a million-dollar winner before. It was not just a millionaire a maker. It was in a, it's in a nice parlay. But uh, just let us know. It would be, it'd be fun to get excited about another Stacking Denny's listener winning a million dollars. Yeah, that'd be cool as shit. But thanks for sticking around. See you guys next week.